0: Do you remember where you were on the 30th of November 2020? Probably not, I'd imagine. but that date sticks in my mind because I got a text from a friend and colleague geneticist Adam Rutherford. It read: "Have you seen the news? The protein folding problem? Exclamation mark. Wow, I thought they've only gone and done it. Um. In season one of this podcast, I told the story of how the AI company DeepMind was using artificial intelligence to take on a 50-year-old grand challenge in biology. Now, only a year later, DeepMind had unveiled an AI system called AlphaFold that virtually solved the problem of predicting the 3D shapes of proteins. The scientific world was full of excitement. A headline in the journal Nature declared... This will change everything. The president of the UK's Royal Society called it a stunning advance that had come decades before many in the field would ever have predicted. And Forbes dubbed it...
1: The most important achievement in AI ever.
0: I'm Professor Hannah Fry. I'm a mathematician, and I have been following the developments in artificial intelligence for as long as I can remember. In season two of DeepMind, the podcast, I've gone back inside the lab to speak to countless researchers, scientists, and engineers about their work. And I must say, I've seen some pretty extraordinary things, from robots that have taught themselves to walk around... It looks like it's a drunk robot. <laughs> <laughs> to AIs that can predict the weather. It is important to know if there's going to be a buildup of a catastrophic storm. And generate human sounding voices. But it seemed only right to kick off the first episode with what is probably DeepMind's biggest breakthrough so far. Coming up, we are going to hear the full story of AlphaFold from the people who were in the room where it happened.
2: I remember sitting on the plane on the way home, writing out, well, what are all the ideas that might actually work? And just sitting there going, this is amazing and this is terrifying.
0: We'll find out how AlphaFold could
3: rapidly accelerate the drug discovery process. We got hundreds and hundreds of emails from excited biologists wanting to try out their system. ...and paved the way for new discoveries.
4: I think it's woken up the scientific world to the possibility of what AI could do.
0: This is Episode 1, A Breakthrough Unfolds. One of those scientists who is paying particular attention to the AlphaFold news... ...is John McGeehan, Professor of Structural Biology at Portsmouth University...
5: The first time I saw the story about AlphaFold, I thought that can't be true because it's about two decades too early. So I immediately started checking the details of this to make sure I was understanding it correctly. I literally emailed DeepMind and said, we could really use this technology.
0: To see how much of a game changer John and the scientific world thinks the AlphaFold breakthrough might be, I want you to come with me on a trip to the bottom of the ocean. Every year somewhere between 8 to 12 million metric tons of plastic waste gets dumped into the oceans and John has made it his scientific mission to
5: do something about it. Some of that plastic is used once, sometimes just for minutes in the case of maybe a fizzy drinks bottle. And if that enters the ocean, some plastics last hundreds of years in that sort of environment. What tends to happen is through sunlight and waves, they break down, but only into smaller and smaller pieces and they end up being microplastics wildlife consume this plastic, it ends up in our food chain, and I think we're only just starting to understand the potential impact. There might
0: just be a twinkling ray of hope on the horizon – In March 2016, a Japanese research group announced in the journal Science that they discovered a species of bacteria that could break the molecular bonds of one of the world's most used plastics, polyethylene terephthalate, also known as PET or polyester. PET is found in products from fizzy drink bottles to textiles. John's collaborator in the US, Greg Beckham, instantly
5: spotted the potential of this discovery and gave him a call. And he said, this Japanese group has literally found a bacterium living in a plastic waste dump that is digesting plastic. It's actually using the plastic as a food source. We had to figure out how these enzymes worked and if we could make them faster, because the potential here is if you can break down plastic into its building blocks, then suddenly you can recycle it infinitely. We'll find out exactly how John McGinn and his team are using
0: AlphaFold to help fight plastic pollution a bit later on. But for now, because AlphaFold predicts the 3D structures of proteins, it's helpful to find out a bit more about how proteins work in the human body. We'll make it lots of fun,
2: I promise, because proteins are truly
0: fascinating things.
2: Proteins are these incredibly small machines that are extraordinarily unusual for the way that we think of machines, but they do the kind of mechanical and chemical things that the cell needs to. Let me introduce you to John Jumper, who leads the AlphaFold project. The human cell has about 20,000 of these nanomachines, and people make entire careers explaining the function of one of these proteins. Proteins are the workforce behind practically everything that happens within
0: the human body. You'll find them in our immune system. Antibodies are a type of protein we release that can fight bacteria and viruses. The protein insulin is what allows our bodies to absorb glucose. Proteins even work to shepherd other molecules around the body, as in the case of one particularly famous protein.
2: Hemoglobin is a protein whose job it is to carry oxygen within your red blood cells. Your lungs are extracting that from the air, but then it needs to be carried throughout the body, and so it is attached to this hemoglobin protein, which later releases it where it's needed.
0: And yet, these powerful, naturally occurring machines are made from only a small list of building blocks.
2: All the machines that we have in kind of the normal, natural world are really really complex and the proteins they have this lovely kind of modular system where there's 20 types of amino acids and a protein in its simplest form is just a line of these amino acids.
0: These 20 amino acids, tiny molecules made up of a handful of atoms, are the building blocks of all human proteins. To make a protein, these amino acids are strung together in a sort
2: of miniature cellular factory called the ribosome. How about an analogy? Like one of those bracelet kits. My daughter has one, right, and she wants to spell her name, Sarah. So she grabs the S and she puts it on the line. She grabs the A, she puts it on the line. She'll surely grab a heart and put it on the line. In the same sort of way, you have beads in a line or these amino acids that are attached one at a time And when it's done, the protein leaves the ribosome.
0: Within milliseconds, the forces of physics gently tease the line of amino acids into intricate 3D shapes, which give function to the protein and allows them to work as miniature machines. You can think of it like origami. A blank piece of paper might hold all manner of potential, but it only becomes meaningful once it's folded
2: into shape. The 1D shape, the line, isn't so good at telling us how these machines work, how we can build new ones. They really need to assemble into this intricate 3D shape that we can start to reason about. Seeing a structure is really the beginning of explaining why the protein is that way, how it ...misfunctions how we might be able to develop drugs... ...but it's extraordinarily difficult to get this kind of information.
0: Most drugs work by binding to a particular protein in a specific way. Beta blockers stop the protein receptors from noticing the adrenaline floating past. Antibiotics work by interfering with a bacteria's protein... This is partly why understanding the shape of a folded protein is so important. So what do folded proteins look like? Well, these things are tiny. It's not like you can just look at them down a microscope to see what shape they are. At that scale, they might as well be invisible. To work out the structure, you normally have to use something called X-ray crystallography.
3: First of all, you have to express your protein, so you need to coax a bacterium into producing enough of it for your experiments. Here's Catherine Tunia owanekin a senior research scientist. Then you have to be able to get it out of the cell in sufficient quantities. Then you need to get it to form crystals, which is often the most difficult part. And when you say the most difficult part, are we talking weeks? It's very variable. So if you happen to be working with a protein that's really well studied, it can be a very quick process. If it's something that's never been crystallized before, it can take years. So I've had emails from people who said, you know, we've worked on this for 10 years. We can't even make (gasps) enough of the stuff to start our experiments That's an extreme case, but it can be as bad as that.
0: For the last 50 years, numerous scientists have dedicated their entire working lives to painstakingly uncovering the intricate structure of proteins, one at a time, slowly and surely building a collective body of knowledge. But finding a shortcut, getting from the string of amino acids straight to the folded protein has long been considered one of the grandest challenges in biology. At some point in those intervening decades, in a pub in Cambridge, Demis Hassabis, the man who would go on to co-found DeepMind, first heard about the protein folding problem.
4: As an undergrad, one of my friends was obsessed with this problem. And we used to go to the pub... And almost any situation, he would crowbar in the idea of, like, if we solve protein folding, that would unlock all of biology.
0: Back in those days, no-one had quite managed to get computers to reliably predict how a general protein might fold. You could do it for tiny proteins, where the physics equations were tractable, but any larger, and there were too many variables. But that didn't put Demis off
4: from wanting to have a go. There was this game called Fold It!, people were playing a game to fold proteins and making some progress. They were not trained biologists, they were gamers. They were able to find two or three protein structures that were actually published in Nature. They were actually quite big breakthroughs. So then finally, when we did AlphaGo, I thought, well, if we're able to mimic the intuitive process of a Go player, then why couldn't we do what these Foldit players were doing for folding proteins?
0: In 2016, before the team had even caught the flight home after AlphaGo's victory, Demis was already eyeing up the next big challenge for AI to work on. Holding. I'm sure we can do that. His conversation with AlphaGo's lead researcher, David Silver, was captured by a film crew that followed them down a street in Seoul, where the match had taken place.
2: Well, it's just amazing seeing how quickly a problem that is seen as being impossible yeah. and changed to being
0: actually done. We
4: can solve protein folding.
0: There were good reasons for thinking that an AI
6: approach might work. It's a very interesting problem in the sense that it has a very large search space. Pushmi Kohli leads DeepMind's science team. The space of possible structures is just infinite. And yet it has definite patterns hiding within.
2: One of the things that makes this problem great is the process is extremely repeatable and specific. The sequence makes this structure. But it's also so complex that we don't know how to write it down specifically. But we know how to write down a machine that if you show it enough data, will learn these. Something else that made
0: protein folding suitable for AI was the decades of work by experimental biologists to find the structures of proteins one by one. It meant an AI could peek at the back of the textbook to learn how the patterns worked. And much like in the game of Go, protein folding came with a ready-made way to measure how well the algorithm was performing. For nearly three decades, there has been a regular global competition amongst biologists who use computers to fold proteins. It's called the Critical Assessment of Protein Structure Prediction, or CASP.
1: The way it works is you take a set of hundred proteins where you're challenged to say, I've got the sequence, what does the structure look like?
0: Professor John Moult co-founded the CASP competition in 1994.
1: And to all work on those hundred in parallel as a community. And now you can compare results.
0: The accuracy of a protein fold prediction in CASP is measured using the Global Distance Test, or GDT. You take a visual sketch of the true folded protein and then superimpose the calculated competition entries on top of it. The more amino acids that end up roughly where they should be, the higher the
1: score. It's on a scale of 0 to 100, where 100 would be exact agreement with the experimental structure. So if you get to something like 90, then you're arguing with the experimentalist whether your model is better than his structure.
0: DeepMind set up a new team with the task of building an AI model that could predict how a protein will fold from its amino acid sequence. It was led by John Jumper. How far away did you think success was at the very beginning?
2: I wouldn't say that we were sure of success. There was always this feeling that it's complex, but there's no rule that it can't be understood. But I would say it was absolutely unclear that we were going to be able to build it.
3: I have always been one of the sceptics on the team. I sort of expected maybe 15 years from now we would have a system like this. And also I think in biology there is quite a bit of scepticism, often about computational methods. We think of experiment as being the last word and it can be an uphill struggle to convince a biologist that a computational method is really going to help them. The first
0: version of AlphaFold is the one we talked about in season one of this podcast – The team repurposed an AI technique normally used for image analysis so that it could work out which beads, or amino acids, should be positioned close to each other in the final protein. Then the model crunched through the different structures that could possibly fit. It seemed to work pretty well, although it was slow and it took a lot of computational power. In April 2018, DeepMind entered AlphaFold into the Casp competition for the first time. Before the results were released, one member of Team AlphaFold tried to predict how well they had done.
2: He had run the numbers and by his results we were 20th. It was one of the more depressing moments of my career, finding out that after all this effort we weren't even close to the top. We had a meeting where we very seriously saying, OK, are we going to solve this problem or should we be doing something else that we can solve?
0: What, give up? Was that really on the table? Oh, that
2: was absolutely... I would say, as a scientist, my job is to find a place to be useful. You're always saying, do I want to spend my time in this direction or do I want to go in a different direction? But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. There was just a small issue with that
0: prediction that AlphaFold had come in 20th place at CASP. We found
2: out that we just computed it wrong. We'd just done the math wrong.
0: <laughs> At least you did the math right when it was important on the actual <laughs>
2: algorithm. We get the right answer eventually.
0: In actual fact, AlphaFold came top in CASP that year. It was a strong result, but it was still very far from giving the experimental methods a run for their money. As well as being... Painfully slow, the first version of AlphaFold achieved 58.9 as its average GDT score. Remember, you need to be getting over 90 to have a structure that would be considered true to the real folded protein. After the CASP win,
6: DeepMind decided to redouble their efforts. We tried to improve the cast system and it was giving us some minimal performance improvements but we were nowhere close to making the jump that we wanted. And then there was a breakthrough. Alpha Fold 2 started
0: by throwing away everything that had come before. The data fed in was almost entirely unchanged, but the repurposed image recognition system was gone, replaced by an AI that had been redesigned from the ground up just to understand protein folding. But how much better was this new and improved version of AlphaFold, really? In 2020, the AlphaFold team prepared to enter the next CASP competition, keeping a close eye on its score.
2: GDT has gotten better. I think we're making incredibly fast progress and I think we'll continue to. I think it's an
3: important... Within our meetings, we went through this tradition where we would play a song from the year that corresponded to our GDT. And so if we were at GDT 80, we would play a song from 1980 or something like that. And everyone's just like, when we get to the Spice Girls, we know it's okay. Absolutely. And I don't think we ever did get to the Spice Girls either, because that would be 97 or so. Um, What did you get to? um, 1990 MC Hammer, something (laughs) like that.
6: We would have these running sweepstakes predicting what would be the accuracy of AlphaFold. Who won the sweepstake? I am not going to tell you who won the sweepstakes or what was my prediction, (laughs) but... Did you go low? At some points I did go low. (laughs) Whether the type of accuracy we are seeing today was possible was a completely open question. We would have these meetings with Demis and everyone would think, well, Demis is going to push our target even higher. And they were not really sure if that was possible.
4: I just felt that all the ingredients meant there should be a solution to this. And I also believe the original biologists who said 50 years ago that this should be possible.
0: In May 2020, the new CASP competition kicked off online. Nearly 100 groups around the world submitted their predictions for 90 protein targets. Once Team AlphaFold had submitted their predictions, they faced an agonising wait for the results to be verified.
2: But after a month or so... I got this email from John Malt, the founder of CASP, and it had a title, I think it was Zoom Request.
3: (laughs) You're not going to turn down that Zoom, are you? (laughs) No. And so we dialed in to a pre-existing Team Social And John just said, I'm going to read you an email.
2: It is from John Malt. As I expect you know, your group has performed amazingly well in CASP 14, both relative to other groups and in absolute model accuracy.
3: It didn't tell us our exact score, but it did tell us the method seemed to be an outstanding one. How did the rest of the social go? (laughs) Did you get to crack out the champagne? Fantastically well, yes. I was drinking some bourbon and we were swapping lots of reminiscences and stories. Oh, and the final score in CASP? An average of
0: 92.4 across all targets. Here's CASP's founder, John Moult.
1: To be able to fold up single proteins to this atomic accuracy is a really amazing and satisfying thing. As we originally framed the problem, this is a solution, but in many ways it's just a start.
3: After CASP14, we got hundreds and hundreds of emails from excited biologists wanting to try out their system and use it for particular problems. We did pick out a few cases where we thought AlphaFold was really going to make an impact. One of those early users of
0: AlphaFold was John McGeehan, whose work on plastic pollution we heard about at the beginning of this episode. To understand how AlphaFold is helping John and his colleagues, It's important to appreciate that those plastic eating enzymes that could help clean up our oceans
5: are, in fact, proteins. They're non-living proteins that break chemical bonds. And, you know, if you just had lunch or dinner, they'll be working in your stomach at the moment, digesting all those different carbohydrates into sugars. The enzymes we're interested in work in the same way, but they actually start breaking down plastics. When that group of Japanese
0: scientists discovered an enzyme that could digest PET plastic, John and his team set about trying to understand
5: how it worked on a molecular level. Currently, we dig up oil and gas and we distill from those the chemical building blocks for plastics and we stick those together in long chains. What the enzyme does is do the opposite of that. It comes along like a big pair of molecular scissors and cuts those bonds and then gives you back those building blocks. We know there is at least one enzyme
0: that can break down one specific type of plastic. By looking through the database of sequenced proteins, the scientists found a bunch of others that look like they might work in a similar way for other plastics. But to make any progress, they really needed to see how they are folded and structured in three dimensions and understand how they might work to eat chains of plastic polymers.
5: Solving all these structures takes an awful long time. We've got 100 enzymes sitting there, all needing structures, and each structure takes maybe six months, sometimes even a year, depending how tricky it is.
0: 100 enzymes, any of which could have gigantic potential for our planet, sat in a queue waiting for months or years to have their structure worked out. Without knowing what they look like, there is little hope of designing synthetic versions that could work better and faster than the one discovered in Japan. And this is where AlphaFold comes in. John McGeehan sent DeepMind seven enzymes of interest, two of which his team had already solved the structure for
5: rather spectacularly in a couple of days they came back and the first thing i did was to compare the structures that we already knew to what they'd uh, predicted and they're almost perfect actually not only did it get the three-dimensional fold right it got all the positions of where all those key atoms are in the structure correct as well alpha fold is now in the process of solving 100 enzymes that we've chosen But it needn't stop there. We could look at thousands of enzymes and that's incredibly exciting because this will massively accelerate the development of enzymes for different plastic recycling.
0: Beyond tackling plastic pollution, the AlphaFold team were well aware that there were other scientists, like those working in drug discovery, who would find this new tool useful. Another organisation that was an early beneficiary of AlphaFold is the Drugs for Neglected Diseases Initiative, an international non-profit dedicated to developing new treatments for neglected tropical diseases.
7: These are a group of preventable infectious diseases that really affect 1.7 billion people.
0: Dr Monique Wasuna is the DNDI's regional director based in Nairobi. Over the years, she has treated many people suffering from parasitic diseases. But one patient stands out in her mind from her time as a junior doctor in Kenya.
7: This particular middle-aged man had been unwell for many months and he was just really getting weaker and weaker. So he heard about our team that was stationed many, many miles away and he took a walk day and night for five good days. The patient had been
0: infected with leishmaniasis, a parasitic disease found mainly in eastern Africa, parts of the Americas, and the Middle East. Symptoms start within a couple of weeks of being bitten by a female sandfly.
7: You start having a fever. Your organs might start swelling. Your liver, your spleen, and in the end, if you're not treated, you die.
0: The most deadly form, visceral leishmaniasis, poses a risk to 600 million people worldwide and causes an estimated 20 to 40,000 deaths a year.
7: This patient survived, but how many patients like him will die and nobody knows that they have died of leishmaniasis? It is
0: possible to treat leishmaniasis, but you need a long, painful course of drugs over 17 days, and that can come with severe side effects.
7: They are toxic, they damage your liver, your kidneys. We have to keep the faith, because we haven't gotten the ultimate treatment.
8: Typically, neglected tropical diseases don't get on the radar for pharmaceutical companies because there's no market incentive for them.
0: Charles Mowbray leads DNDI's drug discovery efforts from Geneva.
8: The needs of these patients are huge. They deserve better treatments the way people living in wealthy countries benefit from the advances of modern medicine. Charles and his
0: colleagues are looking for Monique's ultimate treatment, a drug that can kill Leishmania parasites, can be easily administered in the field and does not cause serious side effects. It's an expensive and time-consuming process, so DNDI have had to rely on a more pragmatic way of finding new drug treatments for neglected
8: diseases. Can we find drug molecules that will kill a parasite in a test tube? That initial starting point requires that we screen hundreds of thousands of molecules to find just one that has some of the right properties.
0: In short, it's a bit of a stab in the dark. There is also no guarantee that a molecule that can kill a parasite in a test tube will work inside a human. So instead, in recent decades, scientists have opted
8: for a different approach rather than testing for drug molecules that kill a bug, we can think about carefully designing molecules that interfere very specifically with a process in that bug, but don't interfere with any related processes in the human.
0: Imagine you'd worked out that there was one particular protein that was vital to the parasite. If you knew the three-dimensional structure of that protein, you could explore how different drug molecules might disable it. The parasite's protein is like an intricately designed three-dimensional lock covered in cavities and holes. The drug molecules need to act like a key, filling in the spaces and blocking the protein from functioning. Understanding how best to design that key is a lot easier if you can just see everything on a computer screen rather than have to infer
8: it from laborious experiments. You can see where the cavities are and you could bring a molecule up and you could see how does it fit into that cavity. And this is
0: where AlphaFold comes in particularly useful. Rather than waiting months or years for an experimental method to come up with a protein structure that may or may not be important in a disease... AlphaFold can offer a shortcut. Here's Catherine Tanya Sawanakan again.
3: So it basically changes the situation from not using structural information, waiting several years for the experiments to be finished. And now we have this middle way of, well, I can get some actionable structural information within 10, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. I mean, that's massive. Yeah, it's a huge saving. In the case of Leishmaniasis,
0: scientists had already identified a drug molecule that is effective at killing the parasite in a test tube. Unfortunately, they reached a dead end when it came to adapting this molecule into a usable drug treatment. So they worked backwards. First, they tried to work out what part of the parasite this drug molecule appeared to be targeting. And in the process, they were able to pinpoint a novel protein that seems critical to stopping the Leishmania
8: parasite in its tracks. So if that protein is shut down, the parasite can't continue, it will die. It's not like other proteins that we've looked at as targets for Leishmaniasis, so that's exciting.
0: The other exciting thing about this particular protein is that it looks like it's not unique to Leishmania parasites. Similar proteins are found in the parasites that cause other infectious diseases. You can see how powerful this quickly becomes. How the structure of proteins can potentially open the
8: door to drugs that are effective for multiple diseases. We could be cutting years off the timeline. This is the power of knowing about the structure. And if using alpha-fold predictions we can get to that starting point quicker, it will help us pick the right projects and move them more quickly. The hope is that
0: if AlphaFold can do this for Charles, it will do the same for scientists working on all kinds of important problems around the world. And so in July 2021, DeepMind took the step of publicly releasing the structures of all 20,000 proteins found in humans, as well as several other organisms commonly used in labs around the world, everything from worms and fruit flies to rats and tuberculosis. In time, the team aims to fold and release all 100 million of the proteins ever discovered for free, for anyone to use, to accelerate the work of scientists. But before this major release, a lot of careful thinking went into reviewing the risks of doing so. What if, for example, AlphaFold's insights into protein structure were used by a bad actor to design a rogue protein, say. We carried out a full review of this because it's obviously something we were concerned about. Sasha Brown from the ethics team was involved in the process of sharing AlphaFold with the world. We were trying to understand, will the release of AlphaFold help the creation of new bioweapons or increase the potency of current known ones? And the view that we got from experts was that the likelihood of protein folds being used in this manner was small because non-specialists face several barriers to enhancing and synthesising harmful proteins, and they're more likely to use readily available materials. In other words, if someone is intent on committing an act of bioterrorism, there are currently much easier ways to do it than getting to grips with the biochemistry of protein folding. It wouldn't uh, remove any bottlenecks to using bioweapons at the level that AlphaFold is currently. While it's hoped that the AlphaFold database release will now accelerate the work of scientists around the world, there is another important point worthy of mention here. AlphaFold doesn't provide a perfect dictionary that can translate between protein sequences and folded shape. It's only offering a prediction.
2: The results of CAS put it very well. Here's John Jumper again. Of the predictions we made, about two-thirds were at a quality bar they considered competitive with experiment so that means one-third they're pretty sure that we have deficiencies although typically small ones and so it was very important to us how do we make sure we're doing more good than harm there are many reasons
0: why AlphaFold's prediction might be uncertain some proteins have never been seen before others might have strange disordered shapes and so on So the AlphaFold team have built in a way for the model to put a number on its confidence in its prediction of a given protein shape. AlphaFold predicts the score it would have got for that protein had it been part of the original CASP competition.
6: Here's Pushmeet Kohli to explain. It's very good at that uncertainty estimation. It's not shy in saying I don't know, which is I think a good thing. Install the humility package. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially,
0: when AlphaFold solved one problem, it opened up a whole new world of questions
6: and possibilities for science. It's very important to note that it does not solve protein understanding writ large in terms of making sense of how do proteins operate. So the community has appreciated the breakthrough that has been made, but also at the same time there is a lot more work that needs to be done.
0: In many ways, AlphaFold is just the beginning of demonstrating how AI can be used to advance scientific discovery. And in fact, it isn't just proteins that DeepMind is working on. Researchers are also successfully applying machine learning to other areas of science, including genomics, chemistry, nuclear fusion, mathematics and ecology. In episode six of this podcast, we'll be exploring some of those projects in more detail. Trust me you won't want to miss it. But DeepMind say they have a bigger mission of solving intelligence. So I want to end this episode by asking how AlphaFold fits in with that. Does AlphaFold have any of the hallmarks of intelligence?
3: I mean, what is intelligence?
0: Oh, that's a whole can of worms.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as a former worm researcher, I know worms, right? So this is very much a can of worms. Here we're talking about intelligence in terms of being able to accomplish a specific task that humans can't do. So it's something that is a superhuman ability. It is very good at learning from the existing structures that we have, but I wouldn't call that artificial intelligence necessarily because that term generally refers to something that is more of a generalist, whereas I see AlphaFold as a specialist.
2: I think it's really important to remember that these are really powerful techniques that we've developed that are still far short of a real artificial intelligence that you can talk about thinking and making decisions and everything else.
0: If you think Alfold isn't intelligent, how does it fit in with that broader goal of DeepMind towards
2: solving intelligence? And this is an example of How we work on these really hard problems that stretch us and how do we develop new ideas and techniques and then think about which of those will pull back into the core mission, which of those take us one step closer to uh, general intelligence.
0: Over the next four episodes of this podcast, we'll be taking an in-depth look at that core mission, Building Artificial General Intelligence, or AGI starting with the big push to give machines the ability to communicate with humans.
2: Me, what's my worst feature? Model, you're going to get upset if I tell you.
8: Deep
0: Mind the podcast was presented by me, Hannah Fry. It was written by me and Dan Hardoon, who's the series producer. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating or review if you can. Bye for now.